Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the Marie Keating Foundation Talks Cancer podcast. This series is full of information about lung cancer and it's important information. We are thrilled to be able to speak to consultant oncologist Dr. Jeruska Naidu about how lung cancer is treated, the conversations that happen when it comes to deciding treatment pathways for each of her patients, the huge progress that is being made in lung cancer treatment, and how not all lung cancer patients present or are treated in the same way. Hi there, Dr. Naidu. It's great to have you. It's a great pleasure to have you with us today to talk about lung cancer, um, lung cancer awareness, I suppose, in the first place, lung cancer as as a patient presents to you and the treatments that are available in Ireland today. So I suppose first off, Dr. Naidu, it'd be lovely to hear a little bit about you. Tell us, you know, how how you actually got to work with uh, lung cancer patients. Sure. Um, It's a pleasure to be here today and thank you for inviting me. Um, so I have a bit of an unusual background. I am South African and um, decided to move to Ireland in uh, 2000 to do my medical training in Trinity College. Actually, there is a long history of Ireland supporting medical trainees uh, from South Africa. And during the apartheid era, Ireland used to train South Africa's non-white um, medical trainees and others as a stand against apartheid. So through that mechanism, both my mother and my uncle studied medicine in Ireland. Um, So I I went to Trinity College in in 2000, uh, had a very happy medical school career there, and then um, did my medical uh, internship and house officer years at St. James's Hospital. And through these early years, I gained um, exposure to medical oncology, working with uh, two leaders in the field, Professor Peter Daly and Dr. John Kennedy. And really this shaped my whole career, particularly the influence of Dr. Kennedy. Um, I found that oncology was a very um, multidisciplinary uh, specialty that involved working with lots of different people and um, and that really patients were at the center of that care um, and that medical oncologists had, had to embody a range of skills, um, including interpersonal skills and um, a love and appreciation of progress in science. And I think um, combining those uh, two aspects really spoke to me. So I decided to pursue lung cancer and immunotherapy at Memorial. Uh, So I trained there for two years and then was very fortunate to obtain my first consultant position at Johns Hopkins. So I started as an assistant professor at Johns Hopkins in 2015. And I stayed there for five to six years and had an absolutely wonderful formative experience uh, working with true leaders in the field of immunotherapy and lung cancer, like Julie Bramer, Drew Pardall, um, and Elizabeth Jaffe. And through that inspirational mentorship and many opportunities, um, and really their generosity, I was able to um, to become a lung cancer specialist, a clinical trial specialist, and a specialist in immunotherapy. And um, 
an opportunity came uh, to return home to Ireland and to to lead the lung cancer clinical trial group nationally through our group Cancer Trials Ireland. And I returned home at the end of last year to take up this post. Well, that's fantastic. And it's such a privilege to have you with us. And I think the community, you know, of lung cancer or potential lung cancer patients in Ireland are very lucky to have you. So it's great to have you. I suppose one of the first questions then, um, Dr. Naidu, I would have for you is, when in their lung cancer journey will a cancer patient meet you? So, so most patients with lung cancer go through their cases discussed at a multidisciplinary team meeting, which in the major cancer treating institutions across Ireland usually happens once a week. And those multidisciplinary meetings are usually led by our respiratory medicine colleagues who are the people who run rapid access lung clinics and are the ones who are responsible for diagnosing lung cancer. Depending on the stage of the lung cancer that is diagnosed, a patient will then be referred to medical oncology. Typically, in patients with stage one lung cancer, this is treated with surgery or radiation, and those patients may not meet a medical oncologist. For patients with stage two lung cancer, Patients will typically meet a medical oncologist after they have had surgery for their lung cancer to discuss the use of chemotherapy afterwards. In those with stage 3 lung cancer, this may be similar to stage 2, or patients may get chemotherapy and radiation together, followed by immunotherapy, in which case the treatment is a partnership between the medical oncologist and the radiation oncologist. And then if a patient has advanced lung cancer or stage four, then the medical oncologist would be the central person to the care of that patient and would be immediately referred to medical oncology. Stage three is probably the most complicated part of lung cancer management. And it's heavily debated as to what is the right approach. And not all stage three lung cancers are the same. There are different patterns of stage three lung cancer. So broadly, we would separate stage three lung cancer into resectable, meaning surgically operable, or unresectable stage three lung cancer. In those who are operable, They may get chemotherapy either before or after surgery. In those who are inoperable, they will get chemotherapy and radiation together. And in some cases, this will be followed by immunotherapy. Okay, and that's much clearer, isn't it? Um, It is very complex, as you say, so it's just getting a little bit of clarity around that. So with stage four lung cancer, how do patients present to you? So we know that 80% of patients with lung cancer will present initially with stage four disease. And this is something we see worldwide. Mm -hmm. This is not specifically an Irish problem. And it would have been the same in the United States. And it's actually not a patient's fault at all Mm -hmm. in terms of um, identifying symptoms. Um, Lung cancer is a bit of a sinister disease. It grows quickly and advances to stage four quite quickly, sometimes before a patient even notices that they have a cough. So um, so often this is related to the biology of the cancer and the fact that the lungs are a big organ. And, and sometimes you may have a lung cancer in your lung and the other part of your lung is compensating for it and you don't notice that there's anything wrong with your breathing. So I think it's something to do with lung cancer itself. You know, the other factor is lung cancer screening. 
that um, we now know that lung cancer screening can save lives based on two large studies, one done in the US, one done in the UK. However, lung cancer screening programs are not universally available worldwide. Um, and I think employing a lung cancer screening program will help us to identify lung cancer earlier. And that's something that's up for discussion, isn't it, at the moment with the National Cancer Control Programme in Ireland? Yeah, so, and thank you for bringing that up, um, Dr. Naidu. It's it's a really important aspect, I think, of moving forward lung, with lung cancer um, and detecting it early in Ireland. You've mentioned the multidisciplinary team approach and the partnership, and that's really assure, reassuring, I think, for, for patients or for anybody coming forward because it's a core team of specialists making decisions and optimal you know, treatment um, plans for patients and, and families affected. So I think that is a really, you know, important aspect of looking after the holistic care of patients in Ireland. So how do cases of lung cancer differ? I know we've talked about the stages and obviously there's different treatment options available for different stages of lung cancer, stages and grades of lung cancer. But are there different types of lung cancer also? Yes, um, I think that's a, that's a great point to bring up next. So um, what I usually tell patients when I first meet them with lung cancer is that there are two things that are important for them to know. The first is the stage of the cancer, which we outlined briefly, which means where in the body is the cancer located. And stage is important because it also implies prognosis, which means what is the likelihood of the cancer coming back or growing sometime in the next five years. The second thing that a patient or, and their family needs to be aware of is the type of lung cancer, and meaning the biology of the disease. And how we think about the type of lung cancer has evolved considerably in recent years. So about 10 or 15 years ago, or, or for, you know, since the beginning of, of lung cancer, we have done a biopsy. And that biopsy is sent to our pathologists, who are a key member of our multidisciplinary team. And they have a look at that biopsy under the microscope. And based on how the cells look and how certain cells stain, this helps us identify from which cells the cancer originated in the lung. And broadly, there are two kinds of lung cancer. There's non-small cell lung cancer, which is the most common, accounting for 80%. And that's the, the staging system that I explained earlier, because it's the most common cancer or most common type of lung cancer. That's usually what we mean when we talk about lung cancer. And there is a rarer type of lung cancer called small cell lung cancer, uh, the incidence of which is actually declining worldwide. It used to be about 15%, but now it's about five, uh, it's about five to 10% of cases. And these cancers originate from hormone producing cells in the lung and are treated quite differently. Within non-small cell lung cancer now, there are lots of different types. The most common is called adenocarcinoma, which comes from the glands of the lung. But there are other types like squamous that comes from the lining of the lung and others. Why is this important? Because depending on how the cancer looks under the microscope, the treatment is slightly different. We also do two very special tests on the non-small cell lung cancer biopsy samples. And those two tests also guide our treatment. The first test is something called a pdl one test. This is a stain 
that allows us to identify if the patient's cancer is likely to respond to immunotherapy, which I mentioned at the Marie Keating launch yesterday, which uses the body's own immune system to fight cancer. The second set of tests we absolutely must do is genomic biomarker testing. So what's that? That is testing the genetics of the lung cancer tumor. So that is not the genetics a patient was born with. There is a lot of confusion about what genetics and genomics means. And what this means is it's the actual genetic profile of the tumor, not of the patient. And it essentially tells us what made the cancer become a cancer. And we're looking for certain genomic changes in the tumor tissue called mutations. These mutations, when we find them, allow us to pick pill therapies or tablet treatments that can successfully shrink the cancer with a far greater degree of success than some of our other treatments. We also understand that those patients who have these genetic changes in their cancer, which are called oncogene-addicted lung cancers, behave completely differently to traditional lung cancers. Patients who have those mutations in their tumor tend to have better outcomes and when treated with some of these pill therapies can actually live much longer than, than those who don't have mutations when they're given these targeted treatments. So as I said yesterday at, at the launch, not all lung cancer is created equal. And what I mean by that is, Based on all of these tests, we appreciate that there are different subsets of lung cancer, and each type of lung cancer is treated a different way. Importantly, the patients who have these genetic changes in their lung cancer are often lifelong never smokers. And this is another um, aspect that I think is important to touch on. There is a public perception that smoking is the only risk factor for lung cancer, and this is simply not true. We know that lung cancer can also happen in people who have never smoked in their lives or in people who have smoked very little a very long time ago. And it can be very hard for these patients to accept why they have lung cancer. But if you explain to them that they actually have a very genetically different type of lung cancer, the treatment is totally different and the outcomes can be very different, this can help to break the stigma. And I think that's really important, isn't it, Dr. Naidu? I mean, like treatments are unique. Um, people, you know, people's cancers differ. And also, you know, the stigma associated. We're going to talk to um, one of our lovely patients later on. And she experienced this herself, um, you know, during her cancer diagnosis, almost that feeling of guilt, that feeling of, you know, people blaming or questioning why she why she got cancer, you know. Um, and it's really important that we identify that, we acknowledge it um, and that people have a say, you know, that that this is their story and, and, and this is how it is, you know, for, for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think medicine has come such a long way, hasn't it, in terms of biomarker testing, as you said. I'd like to maybe hear a little bit more about clinical trials, you know, uh, um, in Ireland for lung cancer patients. And I know this is something that you're quite passionate about yourself. Yes, uh, it's a privilege to be able to answer that. Um, so, so what's a clinical trial? A, a clinical trial is a uh, is a, an experiment 
where patients are able to be given a new type of treatment for cancer. And the benefit of clinical trials is that the clinical trials of today are the treatments of tomorrow. And that's where all the discoveries and all the progress comes from. So sort of the teaching in, in medicine and certainly in clinical research is that the opportunity to participate in a trial is usually a very exciting thing because it offers a patient an opportunity to, to do something extra or potentially something that may turn out to be the new way we treat cancer in the future. So in general, there are, are two types of clinical trial and there are different phases of clinical trial. So the two types of, of clinical trial would be interventional clinical trials, which means when we are actually giving a treatment, a new treatment to a patient and trying to understand why some patients may benefit versus others, or if this treatment helps a patient. The second is a non-interventional clinical trial. And that's when we are simply studying why some patients do better than others, either based on standard treatments that they are getting or other factors. And those are called translational trials, meaning we're trying to translate from scientific discovery why some patients have different outcomes. And this usually involves taking blood samples or other samples from patients and, trying, and, and sending them to the laboratory and trying to understand why some patients have different outcomes. In interventional clinical trials, so those where we're giving a treatment, there are three phases. A phase one trial is when a new drug that hasn't been given before to a patient um, is given. And this is usually based on some laboratory discovery, discovery that looks very exciting that researchers and clinicians are excited about in terms of its potential to benefit a patient. A phase two trial is when we have already seen that the medicine in the phase one trial is safe and has the ability to, to be effective. And it's studied in large, larger numbers of patients to confirm what that level of effectiveness might be. Then a very advanced trial is called a phase three trial. And this is where the new medicine is compared with the historic standard of care to allow us to understand whether this new medicine may be better than what we are doing currently. And it's important to be able to have a range of these phases because different agents are in different phases and different types of medicines may be helpful for your particular patient. So what are the clinical trials that are available for Irish patients? So as, as many of you know, we have eight um, cancer centers, designated cancer centers in Ireland. And each of these cancer centers has a specific clinical trials and research unit. I work in Beaumont Hospital. We have a very successful clinical trials and research unit run by a superb program manager, Mr. Keith Egan, who is a very experienced nurse specialist. And um, we would run principally studies that come to us, clinical trials that come to us from the pharmaceutical industry in which uh, many of these medicines are being developed. We would also sometimes get clinical trials through our units or through the national group called Cancer Trials Ireland, 
that are a little bit different. And these are what we call academic clinical trials, meaning clinical trials that come from discoveries made from academic researchers. People like me, who, who treat patients every day and come up with ideas based on the patients that they see, or laboratory researchers who study some of the uh, cells in the lab and other mechanisms to make discoveries. And these can lead to academic clinical trials that are either run through Cancer Trials Ireland or through big groups of clinical trial uh, networks called cooperative groups. So right now, we have a couple of clinical trials in the lung cancer portfolio of Cancer Trials Ireland that are through academic clinical trial groups. And across the country, we also have lung cancer clinical trials that are led by the pharmaceutical industry. I have written two investigator-initiated trials, which are academic trials from my own discoveries and working with my colleagues in the laboratory and we're currently working on opening these through Cancer Trials Ireland. That's fantastic news, Dr. Naidu, and congratulations on that. And for the listeners, I suppose the message would be to talk to their medical oncologist about clinical trials to, to ensure that it's not something that's, you know, missed off, I suppose, the, the, the opportunity to, to actually consider. Um, uh, yes, I think, you know, uh, to be truthful, it's a partnership between the patient and their treating team. And of course, also a patient's family. I think a lot of the time a patient can be very overwhelmed by the situation of hearing that they have lung cancer, hearing about the stage, and trying to take in all the complexities of the information that I just explained. And sometimes clinical trials may be one item on a long list of questions that they have. But I do agree with you that this is a, a very important part of the conversation because it can allow the patient to have an additional treatment option and it can also allow them to participate in the progress of lung cancer. Great. And I suppose just just before we finish off, um, so we've we've gone through the treat we've gone through the, you know, meeting through the MDT, looking at the staging, grading, treatment options, optimal care. And then I suppose there is the follow up phase, isn't there, Doctor Naidu? So I'm sure patients attend, you know, anxiously waiting for scan results and also may have long or short term effects from treatments. Could you just mention maybe some of what some of those um, long or short term effects that you might see in patients in your follow up clinics? Sure. So um, in patients with earlier stage lung cancer, they complete their treatment after a couple of months of chemotherapy and go into a surveillance stage where we would watch them with regular CT scans. And sometimes there may be uh, longer term side effects that need to be managed from chemotherapy or even from surgery, such as pain or specific side effects from the chemotherapy agents, such as tingling in the hands and feet called neuropathy or low blood counts that can persist for several months after chemotherapy. It's actually very rare to have long-term effects from the chemotherapy for lung cancer, but it can be seen. In patients with advanced lung cancer, um, usually we, we don't necessarily go into, or we wouldn't necessarily call it surveillance, but the patient and their clinical team are always in partnership in terms of managing their cancer, which will mean trying to improve their cancer's outcomes as well as managing the side effects of treatment. 
So the different treatments carry very different side effects. For example, immunotherapy, which uses the body's immune system to fight the cancer, can overstimulate the immune system and cause something called autoimmune effects, where there is inflammation in normal parts of the body, such as the lungs, which can give a patient shortness of breath, the colon, which can give a patient diarrhea, the joints, which can give the patient pain or swelling, and really any system in the body can become inflamed. And these side effects are actually managed usually in partnership between the medical oncologist and the organ specialist um, whose organ is affected by the immunotherapy. And patients may be given corticosteroid medicines or other forms of immunosuppression that need to be managed specifically or in a specific way. Patients who get targeted therapies, so those are those pill therapies that um, can sometimes shrink cancers that have mutations. There are many, many different types of pill therapies. There are now over 20 licensed pill therapies for lung cancer, particularly in the US. And each of these carries very different side effects. For example, the subset of patients with EGFR mutant lung cancer are commonly treated with a medicine that may cause skin side effects or diarrhea. And really, this speaks to the fact that each patient needs a tailored approach to the long-term management, not just of their cancer, but also of the side effects of treatment. Okay, thank you so much. Um, and Dr. Naidu, I suppose just touching on, you know, survival rates in Ireland for lung cancer, and there is a lot of, the, I suppose there's a lot of conversation around, you know, again, working in partnership. If we, if we looked at perhaps stage four lung cancer, so working in partnership with palliative care teams, are you involved in that process yourself within the follow-up phase um, for a patient who might need that, that kind of input and support? Yes. So I suppose I also want to emphasize to patients that stage four, while um, this means that the, the intent of treatment is to improve both quality and quantity of life, this doesn't mean that there is not hope. So usually we would say that these patients' cancers are not curable, but they are treatable. And in that context, it is a partnership in their management between medical oncologists and palliative care specialists. And what the palliative care specialists do is they help the patient manage the symptoms related to their cancer. And this really is something that can be instituted at any time in a patient's cancer journey, but is particularly relevant in patients with stage four lung cancer, where we know that palliative care, even by itself, can improve a patient's survival. Um, certainly, as we had mentioned in terms of multidisciplinary teamwork, um, we work very closely with our palliative care colleagues um, in patients with lung cancer. And, and this occurs at, at any and every stage, but definitely in those with stage four disease. And at some point, if a patient is unfortunately transitioning to end of life, then usually our palliative care colleagues will take the lead from us. Okay, and that that's um, I think that's really important to know, isn't it? Probably what I would like to add there as well, Dr. Naidu, um, you know, as part of the Marie Keating Foundation, our mission really is to make cancer less frightening by enlightening. And we also, you, we're in the community with our oncology nurses and health promotion nurses, 
you know, talking about signs and symptoms, risks and causes of lung cancer specifically. So we're hoping that in the future we'll be able to direct people, you know, to to their GPs um, much earlier and make this happen. But uh, alongside that, I would just like to, you mentioned about nurse specialists in clinical uh, trials. There are lots of supportive services out there for patients, aren't there? I know for ourselves, and I'd probably like to mention this, is Survive and Thrive is a program we run for for those who have completed treatment, um, have come out the other side, as we say, and are are living a new normal. And that is a an eight week program we run, you know, to help people self manage themselves into into that new life and live their best life. We also run a positive living program for patients who have metastatic cancers of any kind, for men separately and for women separately. So, you know, if anybody felt that they knew somebody or are somebody who, who might actually avail of those services, um, they could visit our, our website, mariekeating.ie, um, and look at the events page there. There are also I, I, lots of um, supportive services with your own services with the clinical nurse specialists, you know, as you said, in the respiratory area. Advanced nurse practitioners are coming on stream now, I think, very much from the National Cancer Control Programme. And all, you know, the specialists within the public health nurses, nursing service, occupational therapists, physiotherapists are all very much a part of the allied health professional team that support patients um, with any types of cancer, actually, um, and and transitioning from um, the treatment phase, completing treatment and actually moving into the community. So I suppose on that note, Dr. Naidu, is is there anything you think we have missed here or that you'd like to say or what would be what would be your parting message um, to the audience listening today? So so I think uh, my parting message would be that there has been tremendous progress in lung cancer over recent years. And I hope that the patients and the public become aware that with these new treatments, with better testing for some of these uh, biomarkers or genomic markers, there is now renewed hope for progress in lung cancer. I think that it will be helpful for patients to to partner with patient advocacy groups. There is a new advocacy group called the Irish Lung Cancer Community, led by a, a very dynamic group of people, including a patient advocate, Mr. Seamus Cotter, who works with me in Cancer Trials Ireland. I think this will raise awareness of lung cancer in Ireland and will help patients to be aware of some of these new advances. I think it's it would be great if patients and their families ask about ways they can partner with their clinical team through clinical trials um, in order to continue this progress and allow Ireland to be part of these exciting treatment advances. Brilliant. Dr. Naidu, thank you so much for your clear expertise and very clear explanations um, for those listening today. Great. Thank you so much for the privilege of being here. That's all for this episode. Thank you again to our brilliant guest speaker, Dr. Jeruskin Naidu, for her insights and to our sponsors, AstraZeneca and Pfizer, for making this series possible. We would also like to give a very warm thank you to you, our audience, for tuning in. Join us next time, where we will once again be talking all things lung cancer. And in the meantime, you can visit mariekeating.ie for more information about lung cancer. Until then, go well. Go well.